Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winston. And joining me on the line this week, we've got a very special guest. We've had Ben Cad, obviously, every every week. We've got Paddy Cad. And now we've got uh, probably the best Cad of them all, if I'm being honest, is Sean Cad. How are you, Caddy? Yeah, going well, Neil. Thanks, uh, thanks for the intro. And uh, I'm going to have to say I'd... Uh, Agree with that as well. <laughs> now you're definitely more the uh, refined and sophisticated cat of, of the lot <laughs> of them. More a sort of a BMW where they're probably more a Holden Commodore. But in terms of basketball knowledge, where would you sit in the power rankings of, of cads? Would you have yourself at the top of the tree, or where do you reckon you sit? No, look, I think I've look, I've I've been following the game for for a very long time. Um, uh, grew up a, a Golden State fan, as it as it happened back in the uh, in, back in the run. Run Team C era of um, Chris Mullen. Um, Very good. I was going to ask you where your where your Warriors fandom stemmed from. I was hoping it was back in the Run Team C days because I myself was a a Warriors fan, a Timmy Hardaway fan for that fact. I've got about sixty to, sixty to eighty Timmy Hardaway cards tucked away in the uh, cupboard somewhere. But I followed him over over to Miami and have stayed with Miami. So I'm glad to hear, yeah. mate, that it stemmed back from the uh, from the TMC days. It certainly does. So I've I've been I've been there on the journey, and um, you know it's been obviously an incredible era just in this last seven or eight years, and amazing to see them, um, you know, one game away from another championship. Yeah, it's uh, it has certainly been an incredible era, as you said. They've had obviously the Duran era, and then they went a bit quiet for a couple of years, but they're now certainly right back in the thick of things, Caddy. So we'll jump straight into it. We had Game Five, obviously. Two days ago, I think it is now, and heading into Game Five, it was just such an evenly matched series. Obviously, being two and two, but just to run through a couple of the stats, heading into Game Five, both teams were averaging 105 points a game. Both teams were shooting 44 percent from the field. Both teams were averaging 16 three-point field goals a game. Both teams were turning it over 14 times a game, and Boston were averaging 42 rebounds a game, and Golden State 41.8. So that just sort of illustrates how close the series had been heading into Game 5, but it was obviously Golden State that come away with the 104-94 victory in Game 5 to take that 3-2 series lead, Caddy. And I guess the biggest question that came out of this one is, is this a game that Boston let slip? Given that we'd seen how good Curry had been right throughout the series, series he was averaging 34 points, 6 rebounds and 4 assists heading into Game 5 and obviously coming off that 43-point masterpiece that he put up in Game 4. Obviously struggled a bit in game five, 16 points, 7 of 22 from the field, 0 of 9 from three-point land. And it was the first time, Caddy, in his, in his playoff history that uh, he hadn't had a, a three-point make. 132 playoff games Curry had played heading into that game and had hit a, at least one three in every game. and was actually on a 233 uh, straight game record hitting at least one three-pointer. So obviously an off game for Steph. So w- what do you reckon about that, Caddy? Do you think this is one that Boston let slip given... Uh, we had a subpar Curry performance. Oh, look, I, there's there's no doubt that's what they'll be thinking if you're a you know a Boston fan or um, you know coming into that game, especially of Curry's performance uh, in Game Four, where he really sort of um, made his mark on the series. I, I think um, Curry, hands down, has been the player of the series. He's the best player in the series. Um, he's the most damaging player in the series, and. And, and his his performances really up until game five have been nothing short of um, remarkable. So I think if you're if you're Boston and, and you're coming to that game and and um, if you had known that Curry would you know he he, he wouldn't have made a three and go over nine, 
you'd absolutely think you're walking away with that win. But what was um, what was fantastic from a Golden State perspective, which they probably haven't had as much of in the games preceding, was just Curry, you know, needing to carry such a huge um, scoring load and a huge offensive load. I mean, we're right at the pointy end now and um, you obviously want your best players with the ball in their hand and, and Curry's clearly that and, and has been carrying so much of that scoring load. So to have um, some, you know, to have, you know, to see Clay finally hit some shots, um, to get contributions from uh, some of the other guys on that on, on that roster is kind of exactly what Golden State needed, and and if you're if you're Golden State and if you're Curry, you kind of want that one out of the way, and, and you're going to be feeling really confident going into Game Six. Um, you know, and and from and, and from the Celtics' perspective, I mean, it wasn't just um, Curry's performance. They, you know, they had they had they had 31 they had 31 free throws um, to to Golden State's 15, and um, they had Draymond and 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 Looney both in foul trouble. Um, you know they had uh, 18 more rebounds than Golden State. They shot 12% better from, from um, uh, three-point land. So there was there was lots of opportunities for them. To, Sounds like they to, should have won the bloody game, doesn't it, Katie? Yeah, to really truly really take that game. And so it's definitely the one that slipped through. And then this is what happens in the playoffs, right? So there's been different moments throughout the series. You've mentioned how close and how tough it's been. And um, when you get a little when you get a little opening, you've really got to be prepared to take it. And unfortunately, from from a Celtics point of view, they uh, they they weren't quite able to do that. Um, the only other point from from if you're looking at Steph Curry's game, I think what's often overlooked in terms of um, how he's evolved his game, and you can see it in him physically, right? He's such a he's. There's been so much commentary around his conditioning and, and his strength, and just even his 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 physique and shape of his body. Um, how much that's developed over the last couple of years, and um, it's night and day, isn't it, from when he first entered the league? If you looked at him when he came out of Davidson to now, like he looks like a totally different uh, makeup of a player, doesn't he? Yeah, that's it. And his strength off the dribble, his ability, you saw that play where he sort of bounced off Marcus Smart. And um, I mean, Smart's had some sort of floppy moments throughout the series. And I think it just goes to show just how, how his sort of strength has developed in his game. But where it stands out is really on the defensive end, right? He, he was he was a plus 15 on the game. He had eight assists. He had one turnover. And he was fantastic on defence. Um, you know, the Celtics were three of 11 uh, on shots that Curry had um defended and 7 of 23 on shots that he defended across games four and five. So he's making an impact on both sides of the floor. So while he didn't have his great shooting night, he was still able to contribute in other ways. Oh, there's no doubt about that. And and defensively is the, the biggest improvement since Curry has entered the league. And you said, you know, nine assists, but there was plenty of other, you know, you know the hockey assist or, or two defenders going to Curry, which leads to an open shot. There was one in that third quarter where Clay Thompson, of all people, was left alone at the top of the key and, and hit an open three because both Tatum and Brown went to Curry because just that that uh, the, the gravity that he draws from the defenders leaves guys open, you know, right throughout the game. Yeah, and that's why he's so dangerous, right? I think his impact off the ball, his movement, and, and as you say, his ability to sort of draw defenders and really open up the court for his teammates is – and if they're hitting the shots, um, you know, that's where, you know, the, the – the team can be so dangerous if if they're missing the shots and it's all fully back on a curry to make the play, then it's going to be difficult for them because Boston they're a great defensive team they're a tough defensive team they've been the number one number one ranked defensive team in the league all season um, they've got the two best perimeter defenders in the league really in um, 
um, uh, Jalen Brown, um, Jason Tatum. They've got the defensive player of the year, of course, here, Marcus Smart. So they, they, these, they don't they, have a weak spot, do they, really, defensively? No, that, that's it. And you look, um, they've, got the rim, they've got the rim protection there with Time Lord. Um, you know, so they've got so much defensive quality in that team, and, and, that's, um, and that's showing up in the series. And, and to Golden State's credit, you know, they're a strong defensive unit as well. And, um, and, and we're seeing that in the way the game's being played now, right? It's getting tough. It's getting tight. It's getting a bit scrappy at times. Um, and, and this is what happens at this point of the series. Um, to, you know, both sides are making the adjustments. And often it's, it's, at that, it's at that defensive end where the teams are going to get the advantage. Is there any concern as a Golden State fan that this is something that might linger with Curry, whether he's, you said there, he could be fatigued because he's just had to carry such a big workload. A lot of those threes were short or wide. Yeah. like and There wasn't any really that sort of rimmed out, but they were very short. He's obviously, there was a question mark about him heading into game four, whether he sort of hurt his ankle or his knee when Horford fell on him in game three, or are you just going to put this down to just an off night and you expect him to bounce back pretty strongly in game six? Oh, look, I think there's definitely something there with his ankle foot. Um, you know, at this point, guys are carrying injury. I'm sure that's the case on the Celtics side as well. So I think the concern's more in terms of whatever that injury may or may not be. In terms of just his fitness and conditioning, I'm not concerned about that. I think, um, you know, he's, he's, he's almost due for an off night. You, 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 you come accustomed to not expecting it from him. So when it happens, it's it's kind of surprising but you know it does every now and again so I'd, I'd be backing him to bounce back um you know and i think um you know these guys are just they're they're, they're tough players they're going to play through curry's going to play through if there's something lingering there with this injury um I, I just don't see it being too much of a concern hopefully that isn't the case now now without doubt the 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 most important player or the best player on the court in Game 5 was Andrew Wiggins, 26 points, 13 rebounds. Again, impressive on the glass. So he's now up to 18.5 points a game, 9.4 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.2 steals and 1.2 blocks. <laughs> Leads both teams in rebounds. Um, yeah, he's second nice in blocks enough. and he's held Tatum to 37.5% shooting while he's guarding him. So just on Wiggins, when, when that trade was made, uh, two well, a season and a half ago now, whatever it was, D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins and a, a future and a future first round pick, which became became Jonathan Kaminga. Wiggins was obviously seen as a horrible contract. He was given a max contract. He was a player that sort of floats in games. Sometimes you don't even know he's out on the court. One of the biggest criticisms people had on him for such an uber athlete, he never rebounded. Well, we've seen yeah. all that flip on its head now. Can you remember in sort of recent history a player's narrative changing so quickly just sort of based on one series? I mean, obviously he made the all-star, the all-star team as a starter for the first time yeah. in his career, but he was pretty much openly mocked for making that and, you know, yeah. what a joke it was that he was, a, that he was even an all-star. But now in this series now, he's really getting a lot of plaudits thrown his way, isn't he? No doubt, and and to me, he's the story of the series, right? And and not just um, this series. He's been like this all playoffs, really. Like he's he he's been absolutely an incredible fit as part of his team, and exactly what Golden State needed. And I think um, you're right in the sense that I can't recall, um, you know, the perception of a player changing so dramatically as it has with Andrew Wiggins and. This is a case of a guy who's coming to a winning culture, a winning environment, was really embraced from the moment that he walked into those doors. They, they saw the value in him 
they saw the role that he could play on this team. It took a little while, of course, with you know some of the other injuries that the, the, that they were dealing with, um, obviously in that in 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 that last season. Um, but to have a really clearly defined role, um, and for him to sort of embrace that role, play that role to such a high level, has really just been um, an amazing thing to see. And and, and you know you, you, when. You, you're right in terms of when that when that trade was done. Um, I think Golden State went into it with open eyes. We're, 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 I mean, in, in just an incredible move at the time to get the sign and trade with Kevin Durant. So they at least brought some value back with um, with, with with Russell, knowing full well that he was never going to be the right fit. But at least getting an asset in to then target a player like Andrew Wiggins. Um, and it's just amazing. See, and, it's amazing that teams don't do that more often. Like yeah. let, letting a free agent walk, like just get something in return. And as you said, they probably knew all too well that Russell wasn't going to fit with Curry and Thompson. But you know, you can flip that asset in the future, and this is exactly what's happened. And, that, and they've picked up somebody like Wiggins. I'm surprised it's so many, that more teams don't do that. They just let guys walk as a free agent. That's right, and it won't be long before the Bob Myers statue is built out out the front of Chase Center. Because <laughs> They're light years if it, ahead of everyone, Caddy. Don't you know that? <laughs> Yeah, you look at. I mean, you look at it now, and I mean, even at the time, it was, um, you know, it was really hailed as a as a masterstroke of a trade, really, to get that pick seven to come back and to land a player like Jonathan Kaminga, who's got so much upside as a future star of the league. Um, you sort of see it in flashes in terms of his athleticism, his ability to attack the rim, just his profile as a wing defender. Um, so to bring that to bring that asset back. To, as part of that trade, and then to have Wiggins turn out to be the player that he's become, I don't think anyone could have possibly imagined that this was this this was what was going to happen as part of this outcome. And and you know you sort of and then as you said, you're you taking on Wiggins, which was perceived at the time to be a bad contract, probably with the view to um, what can we get back for this guy as we start to sort of build these other pieces that we need around his team to make another run. And and I know they, there was a lot of criticism um, that the Warriors didn't package a deal with that pick seven and Wiggins to try and get in a Bradley Beal type player or maybe another star that might have been available as part of, um, you know, the, 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 the um, trade market at the start of the season. Even at the mid-season point, you know, you're looking at, at um, criticism around, why aren't they going to come in and bring another sensor in as well? So they've really stuck to their guns around this idea of maintaining this group of players that have got clearly this championship pedigree and also with these young and up-and-coming players where they're trying to obviously win now and develop for the future. And it's a situation that just hasn't occurred very often and we're seeing it again here. And Wiggins's role as part of that has just been amazing. And he is every bit, the max contract player right now. You're looking at that $32 million contract and you're you're happy with that right now. And, yeah, and he's got another year on that contract before he comes into free agency. And if you're Golden State, you, you don't want to let Andrew Wiggins go, which is just an incredible turn of events. And 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 you sort of ran through some of his numbers and 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 the the the, the rebounding part of his game as Golden State are playing small in this series has been completely invaluable to what he's to what he's brought to the floor. Um, the fact that his you know his previous career high in rebounds was at eleven, and he's had you know twenty nine rebounds in his last two games alone. Um, his his aggression at the ring, his his ability to fight, and 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 his um his, his want to win. You know he's got this winning drive, this winning attitude, and 
and, and you look at this guy at Minnesota and you think, is this the same player, you know? Yeah, it's, it's just, an incredible that's transformation, really isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, it's his, his, he's been, even in his Minnesota days, he was, um, you know, obviously an inefficient shooter, but he did have, um, you know, always known for his athleticism and 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 guarding guarding the opposition team's best defender but it's that defensive side that truly even take gone, gone to another level here he, he's held Jason Tatum to to 37% shooting um the the job he did on Luka Doncic in that Mavs series was fantastic he obviously took Jar Moran as well in the Memphis series before he's got injured so he's been taking these guys these star players in the league the whole way through this playoff series so it hasn't been just in this finals run, he's been this guy now for the entire series. And yes, um, everyone was, um, you know, he, he should never have been named an all-star starter, but, um, you know, you, you look back now and this guy is an all-star. He's, a, he's nearly, a, he's a, he's a top 25 player in the league based on how he's playing in this final series. And, yep. you know, uh, it, it's been a, it's, it, it's really been amazing. Well, you mentioned that they copped a bit of criticism for not, packaging Wiggins and that pick seven or even at this trade deadline. So if you looked at the names that were sort of bandied around, Bradley Beal, DeMontis Sabonis, like those guys, okay, yeah, maybe they're more offensively talented than Wiggins, but you've brought up the fact that he's defended the best offensive player right throughout the playoffs for for Golden State. Well, Beal or Sabonis weren't going to do that. So, I mean, it's for, for me, like you, and, and for yourself, obviously, too, as, as a Golden State supporter, like you, you must be over the moon that they didn't pull the trigger, feel the need to pull the trigger to bring in one of these so called stars and they stuck fat with Wiggins. Absolutely. You know, I think it, there's always temptation when you see these guys' names float around, and, you know, who wouldn't love to have seen Bradley Beal as part of his team potentially, but. You know, if you look at the fit that Wiggins has provided on this roster, his ability to cut and slash, um, his aggression in terms of taking the ball to the basket, he's making contested layups, he's making contested shots. His three ball hasn't quite been there. He was 0 for 6 um, in game five. So, you know, he's still got some deficiencies in his game. He's, he's not a great free throw shooter, but his his aggression and what he and what he brings to this group in terms of exactly what they need you just can't replace that right now, and um, and the role he's playing as part of his team is what's helping Golden State get to this level. Yeah, no doubt. And you mentioned his aggression. That dunk he threw down on Derek White in that last quarter just illustrates the, the force that he is playing with at the moment. Now, another guy who's probably just outside Curry, a fan favourite for all Golden State supporters, and I'm sure yourself included in this caddy, is Clay Thompson. Now, he, he started the, the series off a bit slow. We even saw in Game 2 when the game was well and truly done, Kerr was leaving Thompson out there to try and find a bit of rhythm. The last couple of games, he started to round into form. He had 21 points in Game 5, uh, 5 of 11 from 3, including two massive ones. In the third quarter, where Boston were really starting to get on top and look like they were going to start to pull away uh, with that game, uh, so he's up to eighteen points a game now in the series, thirty-seven percent from three. So obviously not the vintage Clay Thompson that we are quite used to. But I reckon the biggest improvement for me for Thompson in this series has been on the defensive end. Absolutely, uh, understandably so. When he when he came back into the team after he'd been away for two years, he was he was definitely not the defender he was in prime Clay days. He, he was basically doing 
for Golden State what Andrew Wiggins has done for them in this series by taking the best offensive player. And we saw him sort of get blown by, you know, quite a bit um, when he yeah. did come back into the team. But I think on that, on the defensive end, over the last couple of days, games, we've seen him really um, tighten down and he's, he's taken the Jalen Brown um, match up quite a lot and done a pretty good job. So for me, um, watching Clay Thompson, and it's really good to see him round into form, and I'm sure you're happy with that as well. You're absolutely right in the sense that, um, you know, he's a guy that you want to see succeed. You know, he's um, everything about no, Nobody character. hates Clay Thompson, do they? Everybody nobody loves him. Nobody hates Clay Thompson. You know, his demeanour, his attitude, his work ethic, um, you know, what he's achieved in his career and what he's had to overcome to get back on the court after those two horrendous injuries. And, and, and you know, it's been said um, countless times as part of his return to the court. I mean, he's not... He's not necessarily the same guy, but at the same time, he's not a guy you can leave open. He's, he's always going to be a threat. He's always going to shoot the ball. You know, one thing you know with Clay, if the shot's not falling, he's going to keep shooting. He's going to keep shooting. It. He's, he's going to back himself. Never loses confidence in a shot, does he, Thompson? No, and this is, you know, when, when, when you're a guy who's had the career that he's had and, and, and you rely on that as part of your game um, and he's got a license to pull the trigger, he's going to keep shooting. And I think... Where he was getting into trouble was um, he was uh, I think he was rushing things too often. He was hundred percent. Yep. He wasn't waiting for the shot to come to him um, in terms of running off screens. That that quick catch and shoot sort of stuff that he's become so renowned for. A lot of sort of um, dribble penetration stuff, trying to find open shots, trying to force the shot. When Clay lets it come to him, when he takes his time, when he doesn't rush it, is 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 when you see the best clay, the best version of clay, and and I think you're right. We're starting to see a little bit more of that in these last two games. It's, it's been a tough series for him. There's no question about that. Um, again, Boston, it's a tough team. They're they're a tough defensive team, so they're not going to allow you too many open looks. And and, and clay's been working himself into the game, and his ability to hit the, hit those big shots. I mean, they're tough threes that he knocked down late in that game, and really critical threes. So when Steph's not Steph doesn't have it going, you're going to need Clay to step up and, and knock down those threes. So, I mean, certainly brought a smile to my face, mate, to see him, um, you know, uh, contribute to the, you know, in a way that he no doubt wants to contribute to the series after having such a, a difficult start to the series. And I'm really hoping he can he can go on from there and have a really big game six. And, and look, I, you know, couldn't couldn't agree with you more in terms of just the observations on his improved defensive play in these last two games. I mean, he's clearly lost a level of quickness, particularly in his lateral movement on that defensive end. Guys have been getting by him far too easily. Um, what really stood out to me was just his ability to stay in front of Jalen Brown on those drives to the hoop and, and just not giving up those easy baskets. He got some, he got some fantastic stops, um, kept his body in the right position and just wasn't giving up easy looks. So I think... To see that back from Clay gives you confidence that he's still got those defensive attributes that, is always, that have always made him a great defensive player. And um, if we can get a little bit more out of him on that defensive end, um, Golden State are going to be a very hard team to beat. And he's always been one of those players that's when he when he gets rolling, he's so hard to stop. So if he's, as I said, 5 of 11 from 3, if he can continue that heading into Game 6, that, that's going to be massive for Golden State. Now, a big question heading into Game 6, Caddy, is what are Golden State going to do with their starting lineup? We've seen the last two games they've brought Otto Porter Jr. in to, to start in place of Kevon yeah. Looney. 
didn't work at all in game four. They got off to a to a slow start. It was a little bit better in game five. They're obviously doing this because, as you've mentioned a couple of times, how good Boston are on the defensive end. They can really slow you down and bog you down. And if you're playing both Looney and Draymond at the, on the court at the same time, two non-shooters, it, yeah. it makes it really hard for, for Steph and Clay to find some space. So Porter Jr.'s obviously a, a knockdown three-point shooter. So I, I can see the theory in it. I don't particularly like it myself. The, which way mm. do you think they're going to go in game six? Do you think they'll stay with Porter Jr.? Or c- can you see Looney, who's actually been really, really valuable for Golden State, coming back into the starting lineup? Yeah, that's right. I mean, Looney's been the other storyline Um Hasn't he really? I mean, ever since I think it was Game Five or Game Six of that that Memphis series, where he started to look like Andre Drummond on the glass, uh, he, he's really sort of taken his game to the next level. His ability to, um, particularly with his offensive rebounding, right? I think he's he's leading the NBA at the moment um, throughout the final series in in offensive rebounds. His ability to box out. His an underrated rim protector. He's not an athletic big by by any stretch. You, you can sort of see that with him, the way he sort of moves up and down the court. He's had a lot of injuries, of course, over over the over over over, over his journey. Um, you know, but he's been in the, he's been just been an amazing contributor throughout this playoff series. I think um, the point you've made around the going small and starting with Otto Porter clearly is to get another shooter out on the court. Um, they don't like playing Dre and Looney together in this series. Um, they've experimented with different starting lineups throughout the course of the playoff series. You remember, you know, right right at the start, obviously, when with Steph coming back from his injury, you had Jordan Paul in that starting lineup. You had Jonathan Kaminga in the starting lineup. Yeah, at, at, that was at, a bizarre at, one, wasn't it? Kaminga for a couple of games, yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're obviously been mixing and matching a little bit, and seems to found there find the right mix with Looney back in that starting lineup. And Looney clearly, um, that's the role he's played for the majority of the year. You know, Pat's not playing the same kind of minutes he's, he's been seeing in, in in the playoffs, but certainly um, starting um, as that as that starting sort of five. I, I think I don't. I think you know. I think they'll stay with what they've got. I, I kind of agree. I don't necessarily like it either, but. Um, Rob you know, Williams just so damaging, like on the glass, and he's a, obviously a vertical threat as well. I just, I, I just like it better when Looney's out there. Now he got the the three quick fouls when he did eventually right. get out on the court. But I mean, for for me, I, I would be sticking with Looney because, as you said, he's been one of the stories of the playoffs for for Golden State and was arguably what their third best player heading into Game Five. The, the, yeah, that, that's right. He had a really strong Game Four as well, so I think he's. You know, he, he got himself in that power trouble and, and didn't have the impact he would have liked to have had in that Game 5 series. And this is where, you know, guys like Andrew Wiggins being able to take 14 rebounds, you know, 15 rebounds, you know, you're still able to get value elsewhere in terms of being able to, um, you know, complete those defensive plays. I, I think, you know, those second looks, though, that he's been giving the, the offence with those offensive rebounds is really something that is difficult to replace. So I, I want him out on the court simply for that reason. If the shots aren't going down, Looney's giving you a chance to win that ball back. And, and you know, um, if you're not starting him, you know, you really need that hot start. You need those shots falling quickly because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's very easy for Robert Williams and these other guys in terms of that inside presence when you don't have Looney there as a threat. Um, you know, Porter's not playing a ton of minutes. Like he's not. It's not like they're keeping him in, you know, for large stretches of of of, 
of the game. So Looney's out on the floor, but um, you know I, I do like him out there. I want to see him out there, particularly with a guy like Robert Williams there. But, but you know they, they they value spacing. Right, this is a team that values spacing and movement and shot creation. And at, at, at this point in the series, at this point of the playoffs, um, that's what's most important. They they need to score. Um, they want to create open looks and give themselves the best opportunity to start the game well with those open looks. Now, we see Caddy in closeout games. Sometimes it's a, that supporting cast, a player in the supporting cast that comes out and has a big game and, and helps the team close out a series. Which of the, the surrounding cast around, obviously, you know, the starters for Golden State, do you foresee having a big game six? Is it Looney, who we've just sort of spoken about at length? Is it Jordan Poole? who we've seen hit some big shots. He obviously hit two big late threes in that third quarter, yeah. including that incredible bank shot right on the buzzer. Now, he's been certainly been exposed on the defensive end, and we saw Marcus Smart in particular probably you know hunt him out and, and yeah. take him down into the post. So he can be exposed on the defensive end, but he can also be a spark plug off the bench for the Warriors. Or is it some like a, a Gary Payton III who's, mm. Who's been very good, obviously, on the defensive end. One of the best defenders, certainly, in the whole NBA. And and he's more than capable of knocking down a corner three and obviously throwing down some some dunks as well. So who outside the, the so-called big dames, Caddy, would you see having a big game six for the Warriors? Look, I think it, it, it clearly can be any of those guys that, that you've just mentioned. We've spoken about Looney and the impact that he's already had in the series. Um you know, I like the spark that Poole provides off the bench, particularly in those non-Steph minutes, right? And, and, you know, he's playing a different role in this playoff series in his sort of more limited minutes um, coming off the bench. He's not getting the 30-plus minutes he was getting earlier in the playoff series. You know, you, you're obviously playing your, your key guys upwards of 40 minutes. Kerr's obviously a coach who who wants to limit minutes where he can. He doesn't want Curry playing 43, 44 minutes. Um, Wiggins is a guy that can play 44 minutes quite comfortably and still look pretty fresh, you know. But um, so Paul's role's changed a little bit in this in this series in particular. And and you're right, he's um, he gets exposed on that defensive end. But we've sort of seen what he can do in these last couple of games in terms of his ability to create offense, his ability to to knock down the three when you need him to knock to, when you need him to make a big shot. He's quite an efficient shooter. Um, his his efficiency has been terrific in terms of both his three point efficiency and his ability to score at the rim. What a textbook um, looking stroke, is it? It's a bit of a strange sort of. He shoots it from almost yeah, down at his waist. And, and even even just his ball, his dribble, his ball handling. You know, it looks like he could fall over at any particular moment <laughs> as he's yeah. sort of trying to keep control of the rock, but. You know, he's got this incredible penetration off the dribble. The thing that's not here for him that was there in the, certainly in the Denver series when he really sort of um, showed what he could do. And and then again, tougher tougher opposition, of course, with um, Jared Jackson Jr. and Stephen Adams in that Memphis series and, and into that Dallas series. But, um, you know, when you didn't have a strong, a stronger win protection is really where John Paul can hurt you off the dribble. Um, he was just getting into the paint so easily yeah, against Denver, wasn't he? And that's it. And that's just difficult to achieve against Boston. So this is a tough series for him. So for me, it's probably Gary Payton. I, I think, um, and again, just a, a remarkable story when you think about his journey um, into the NBA, the fact that he was cut from the um, 15 man roster at the start of this year, the start of the season for Golden State, decided to hang around and eventually won his spot. 
He, impl- he applied for a job as a video coordinator for the Warriors. That's just that's um, right. That's exactly. unbelievable. Yeah, it's just an incredible, incredible story of perseverance and someone who saw a role for him as part of his team and and he's really carved out that role and um, to see him get injured and, and only a month ago it looked like his season was over to be back out on the court and he was the highest plus minus on the floor in game five. He had a plus 16, um, you know, and 15 points, five rebounds, three steals. Like that is a, that's an incredible contribution off the bench, right? So I think... Given the nature of the series, his role as that lockup defend that that lockup defender, he can hit the open corner three. Um, he's fantastic in that dunker spot. He's often, um, you know, finds himself free in that dunker spot. He's got that vertical penetration. Um, he can um, he can dunk the ball, um, and you know he's going to give you solid defensive minutes. So whether that's um, guarding Jalen Brown or swapping out and Jason Tatum. Um, whatever that role is for him, you know he's going to give you value. So if I'm looking at game six and I'm looking at how this game's going to be played, I think it's Gary Payton Jr. who's going to be the most important um, role player outside of those big three. Yeah, I like it. You've got to be able to contribute on both ends to to be very effective in this series, and Payton's certainly more than capable of doing that. Now, if you could pick a player outside of Steph, because we'd imagine Steph's going to bounce back. So let's say Steph bounces back to somewhere close to what we'd expect out of, out of a, a normal Steph Curry. Who outside of him, out of out of Clay, Wiggins, or Draymond, would you like to see have play somewhere close to the best? Is it is it a Clay Thompson Game Six classic that we've seen yeah. so many times throughout his it's year? Be, right? Yeah, I think um, I think as, as you said, we're all we're all we're all Clay fans, and I think um, what a what a what a great way to to end his story this year if he can just come out of the gates and and drop thirty points in typical Game Six Clay fashion. I think for me. That'd be that's what I that's what I'm hoping to see. That's what I'd love to see. I'd love to see a, a really big game six clay game, and and it'd just be the perfect icing on the cake of, of what's been an amazing journey for him to get back up, um, not only onto the court but playing a really important role. He's been scoring 20 points a game across the course of the year. He's um, he's found his way back. He's had some tough nights. There's there's, there's no doubt about that, but. When you haven't played basketball in two years and you've overcome these two um, terrible injuries, um, you know to see a to see a clay explosion, um, and you sort of mentioned it earlier. There's just nothing like seeing clay get hot. There's um, the, the 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 people react differently around that. It's a, it creates a different kind of energy when when clay gets going, and so. Um, you know, if I can, if I could wish for one thing as part of Game Six, it 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 it'd certainly be that. Yeah, I think that would make pretty much everyone happy if Clay come out and knock down seven or eight threes. We haven't mentioned much about Draymond Green, but it was good to see him bounce back after obviously a very subpar yeah. Game Four, where he had even his mum question him on Twitter. I mean, he wasn't you know, absolutely outstanding, but he was very good defensively, as you'd expect, and just made a couple of baskets. He had that sort of good fake handoff, and then with a nice a nice dunk and then a nice little floater in the lane. And that's all you need out of Draymond. You need eight to 10 points with his nine rebounds and eight assists and great defense. So I'm sure you were happy to see Draymond find some form again. Yeah, that's right. He's sort of become a mini series of his own, hasn't he, within the context of the series. And, um, you know, clearly, he brings that on himself though, with his behavior. He on court, does. doesn't he's he? an outspoken guy. He's got his podcast. He's, um, 
you know, so I think he's, he's that type of character, right? He, he plays on the edge and, and he's played on the edge all series. He's played on the edge all playoffs. That's what Golden State need him to do. Um, that's where he gets the best out of himself when he's that real agitator, aggressor, um, particularly on the defensive end. But when he's aggressive on offense, when he's helping initiate the offense, when he's playing that sort of um, that, that high role where he's able to be that sort of secondary passer, where he's able to create open looks when he's driving to the room. He had that great play early in the game where he was able to, um, you know, have that explosive drive um, for that dunk. That's the sort of stuff you need him doing, um, you know. And it's been an interesting series for him, really, because he's made contributions in different ways. He's, he's, you know you're always going to get that effort from him defensively, but at times he's looked like a liability on that offensive end, particularly in game four where oh, you know, Kerr went away from went, went uh, away from him for a period in that fourth quarter. Um, it was a big call by Kerr to do that, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you, it's a tough call, absolutely, particularly with a character like Draymond, right, and, and especially if it doesn't work out. Um, but, but to Draymond's credit, he, he kept his head in the game, um, he came back on, Kerr went through a bit of an offense-defense kind of rotation, um, and he made two really important plays, and I think he carried that yep. through into his performance into Game Five. So I think all we can ask from him is that same type of effort um, when he has an open look, when he's got the ability to be aggressive on offense. Um, you, you, you want him taking those opportunities, and, and if you get that out of him, you, you know the defense is going to be there. Now, it's obviously been a pretty Golden State-centric podcast yeah. so far, given we've got a Golden State super fan on. I thought we'd concentrate on, on Golden State, but obviously yeah. Boston need to bounce back in Game 6, you know, Captain they Obvious, to, to keep the series going. What, what do you think is the biggest thing that they need to fix? For me, it's it's the turnovers. I mean, yeah, they had 18 turnovers in Game 5. In, t- in, in losses throughout the series, they're averaging 17 turnovers and 12 turnovers in the win. So it's a pretty clear sort of mark of demarcation about what leads to a, to a Boston win and what doesn't. And that's that's just because the, the Golden State defense is so hard that, you know, if you're allowing them to, to, to set themselves, um, they're going to be very hard to score against. And, and your defense is very, very good as well. So if you're turning the ball over and giving Golden State some easy baskets at the other end, it just makes life so much easier for them. So for me, it's the, the turnover issue. They really need to clean that up. They've got to get it around that that 12 market, as we've seen in most losses, and to give them really self a chance to win because you can't be given Golden State, you know, five, six, seven more bites at the apple because with the shooting they've got, it's just going to make life too too hard, isn't it? Yeah, 100% right. I think for, for me it's, it's turnovers as well. And, you know, they're playing a team, Golden State, who have also – they're also turnover prone, and when they turn the ball over, um, that's when they're also susceptible on them. On the other end, and, and the real problem with the Boston turnovers is you're getting the Warriors out in transition. You don't want Steph Curry out in transition. Like it's just a it's it's a layup for him. You know, it, as soon as he can create space and 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 break up Boston's defense, um, it just makes it so much easier for Golden State on that offensive end. And so, um, you know, the, the Boston turnover game is what's creating so many opportunities for Golden State. They're scoring off those turnovers, so. If Boston can can protect the ball, limit their turnovers, that's going to be the thing that's going to get them closer to winning the game. I think the other key factors clearly are, you know, their, their, their bench really disappeared in, in, in Game 5. They really had no production at all out of guys like Derek White, um, who's been 
they're really fantastic at different points in, in, in the series. But um, he's also a guy that the Warriors seem to be making adjustments to on that defensive end. They're targeted him a little bit more. That they like to curry matchup on Derek White. They're finding ways to exploit that. So his influence in the series is reducing as it's gotten older. But if they can get a bit more production out of guys like Derek White, a bit more production out of their bench, that's what's really going to be needed. Um, you know, and and look, as great a player as Jason Tatum is, he's, he's a young player in this league. Um, you know, he hasn't had the best series. He's um, Is he running out of gas, Caddy, do you think? I mean, we've seen him so far in the playoffs. He's gone up against Durant, held his own there. He went up against Giannis. He had Jimmy Butler in the last series. He's now passed LeBron for the most turnovers in a single postseason. Now, he's he's on the list with LeBron, Dwayne Wade and Larry Bird. So it's the best players have the ball in their in their hands for for large periods of time. And if you if you go deep into the finals, you're probably going to turn the ball over a lot. But he he had a pretty good game up until he had 22 points on 13 shots when Boston went in front, and then he was only one of eight on his last eight shots. And there was one, two, three, four air balls in those last eight shots. So is is this just a matter of you said he's a young player? Is he starting just to run out of gas given the the workload he's played? Like we've seen him play in a couple of these games, a whole second half without sitting down. And no matter how young you are, you obviously bounce back quicker when you're 24 as opposed to 34 Steph's age, but it's got to wear you down at some stage, doesn't it? That's it. And look, it's been a tough road for Boston. They've had to get through some tough teams, particularly that Bucks series, the Heat series. Um, they haven't been given anything. Tatum's obviously been huge in, in, in a lot of those games. And I think you're right, he's showed real glimpses and of, of brilliance at different moments throughout the series, but he hasn't been able to sustain it at a consistent level. So is that fatigue? Is it is it is wearing out? That they all could be factors as you know, in terms of what's going on here. I think clearly there's uh, um you know, he's getting we spoke about um, Wiggins's terrific defence on him. That that's obviously a factor, but he's come up against some really strong defenders throughout the course of um, his playoff run as well. So I think they need more consistency out of Jason Tatum. And particularly the thing that's about for me a little bit is his finishing around the rim just hasn't been there. Um, he's a guy that gets to the rim. He's a guy that can, he can, he, he's, he, he hits his open shots, but um, where he's really dangerous and can make you pay is when he's taken the ball to the rim. And he just hasn't been finishing off those opportunities. So I think it's one aspect think, of his game that he's, probably struggle with right throughout his career. I, I, I still remember when, yeah. when the US come out here and played played the Boomers at, um, at Etihad or Telstra Dome or whatever the bloody hell it was called back then. And yeah. I remember watching that game and he was continually missing layups in that game. And I was thinking, look, this guy's supposed to be a future. He was only 21 or whatever he was at that stage. But mm. even at that stage of his career, he was, he was struggling to finish around the rim. And, yeah, it's rearing its head again at this stage of his career. That's right. So he's going to want to clean that up in Game Six and and finish some of those opportunities. Um, you know, the guy that's been fantastic really has been Jalen Brown. I know he's he's fallen away a little bit. He wasn't as strong in Game Five. You know, if you're looking at Finals MVP, I mean, he was probably the guy behind Curry that you're kind of looking at um, if, if Boston yep. the, the team that are going to get up now. Um, you know, things have turned a little bit. I mean. Um, you know, I think when the series started, it was really Steph Curry and then a, a handful of Boston guys before you get into the next best warrior. And I think Andrew Wiggins has really put himself into that conversation with his recent play. And I mean, Brown's been terrific. I think he's been their best player. He's been their most damaging player. He's looked like the guy that you want um, really driving the offense. And so, um, 
you know, he, he, he's the guy as a as a Warriors fan. Um, I'm, I'm most worried about going into Game Six. I think Brown's been fantastic, and um, you know, you can really see just the quality that he's been able to demonstrate, not only with his, um, you know, offensive play, but um, he's just a consistently good all-round performer. Um, and and he he's the kind of guy you'll want in a playoff series, right? He sort of bring, brings that energy, brings that aggression, um, and you know you're going to get a consistent performance out of him. Yeah, he, I agree. He's been fantastic. His only downfall is he's not the greatest ball handler, so if he puts the ball on the deck heading, trying to you know drive, he can get the ball poked away from him a little bit. So that's the one deficiency in Jalen Brown's game. You mentioned how good Wiggins has been. Now, myself and your brother did our 3-2-1 Brownlow-style votes for Game 1. If we're going to do that for Game 5, obviously Wiggins is getting the 3. That, that's a no-brainer. Who would you give the 2 and the 1 vote for in a Brownlow-style sort of voting setup for, for Game 5? Ooh, okay. Um, I think I'm probably looking at... Um... I'm probably looking at two votes for GP2. I think he he, I like had, it. he, had, he had such a, an impact off the bench. Um, we ran through some of his numbers earlier on. Um, to, to put up those sort of stats and play the role that he did was really was was really critical. Um, and you know, despite um, you know, I, I think for that third spot, look, um, let's let's give it to Clay for his 21 points. Hey, I, I thought yep. he, he 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 hit those he hit those couple of big threes when it really mattered. Um, we spoke about his improved defense, and um, you know it was it was great to see that back from him. So it's prediction time, Caddy. What, what do you what do you think is going to happen in Game Six? Do you expect Boston to bounce back? They hadn't lost back to back games right throughout the playoffs. We saw that happen in Game Four and Five. It's probably looking unlikely that they're going to lose three in a row. They're back at home, or, or do you expect, given the the Warriors' sort of championship pedigree, that they're, they're going to know? They don't want to get to a game seven where absolutely anything can happen. Do you think Golden State are going to close it out, or do you see Boston extending this to a game seven? Yeah, look, I think the the my, my heart obviously says Golden State. I think they're they're one game away now from a fourth championship as part of this incredible run, and um, you know it would have been an amazing thing to see them see them achieve. Um, I think you know they're just going to take care of business for 48 more minutes, and and they can they can see it now. They've they've got that opportunity. But to your point, um, Boston have proven themselves as a as a fantastic opponent, as a fantastic team. TD Garden is a tough place to go into and and win a game of basketball, um, particularly in a game six kind of environment. So. Uh, you know, I, I probably can't see Boston dropping this one. I, I think it will go to a game seven, and we'll be back in. We'll be back at Chase Centre. I think um, uh, what well, must be sort of when's that going to be? Sunday, Monday next week. Um, yeah, it might be Monday. Uh, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I, look, I, I think. Um, I, I, look, I think it's. I think it's Boston. I, I think back it back back um, back on their home court, um, needing to save the series and, and send it back to Golden State. I agree. I think Boston will get the win. As you said, it's the the, the garden there is a very tough place to play. The the crowd get very lubricated before the before <laughs> yes, the proceedings sure start, do, and right? yeah, they yeah. Uh, they get the uh, the old fuck you Draymond and and this <laughs> sort of stuff. So it's a very hostile environment, and and generally you see those sort of those those bit players play better at home. But you know, Boston actually haven't had a great record. Surprisingly, um, at home throughout the playoffs. That's been the strange thing, hasn't yeah. it? They've been winning games away. They've, yep. they've dropped games you would have thought they would have won at home, particularly in that 
Miami series, you know, to have to to drop what was it that game six before going to Miami and winning yeah. that game seven. So I think I think they dropped know, two games uh, at home in the Miami series. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I mean, look, they've, they've lost at home, um, you know. So we 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 know they're they're a team that um, you know that, that that can lose at home, but given the stakes of this game um, and uh, given the fact that they have lost two in a row now, um, you know, I, I think they've got one more shot in them. Yeah, well, I, I predicted a, a Boston win from the start of this series, so I'm going to stick with them for Game 6, but, and, I'd, God, who knows what the bloody hell would happen in a Game 7. My, my heart <laughs> says the Warriors. I'd love to see Steph get, get another championship and, and get a finals MVP and sort of squash all this talk about, you know. He's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, so, it's I mean, crazy. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, we've just got to appreciate that we're watching this team play. We're watching one of the greatest players of all time play the game. Um where he ranks on an all-time list or whether he needs a, a finals MPP to solidify his legacy is, is just ridiculous. He's, um, he's an incredible player. Um, we should just sit back and enjoy watching this guy and watch, watch this incredible team. Um, you know, Steph, Draymond, Clay, um, I think they're, you know, they're, they're, they're the first trio in, in over in over 30 years to have won 20 playoff games. So The best know, part what, is that they're all homegrown. They're all drafted by Golden right. State. All, That's what's so developed. good. They've all come into this team. They've been together for so long. And, um, you know, and this is a trend that's starting to move back to this a little bit, isn't it, where we're seeing, we've seen this era yep. of... Um, Boston, uh, Boston are homegrown as well, so yeah, we yeah, are seeing that's that. Right. So you know, time together, and you look at you know the Brooklyn thing, you know what what happened with 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 them this year, and um, you know there's a lot to be said for developing talent, for building culture, for building connection, and, and that's what we've seen at Golden State. We certainly have. We'll, we'll call it there, Caddy. You've been absolutely outstanding in in your maiden. Uh, in your maiden podcast, you've put up a triple double. <laughs> so how do I rate against the brothers then, mate? Well, oh, clearly, the, clearly at the top of the tree. As I said, heading into this, you're, you're way more eloquent than than both Ben and Patrick. So <laughs> it's not surprising, mate, that, that you come out and perform the way you did. Did you, did you enjoy it? I did, mate. It's good to get one under the belt, so I'm happy to jump on at any time. Well, if, if, if we get uh, we get a game seven, we might have to get a, a CAD uh, double with both Ben and Sean on. It would, uh, <laughs> I'm sure the fans would love that. But uh, we'll call it yeah. there. Caddy, and uh, yeah, as Thanks, I said, man. thank you so much for coming on, and, and I really appreciate you giving up your time. My pleasure, mate. Thank you. No worries. Well, as I say every week, thank you to everybody who continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jump, jumped on Apple Podcasts yet and given us a five star rating, if you could do that, that would be, would be much appreciated. We've also got the Facebook page up and going where all the episodes get posted there. So if you like that page, you know when a new episode drops. Until next week, we'll talk to you then. <laughs>